Hey there, friends. In honor of our 50th episode, we decided to do something a little spontaneous and fun. Today, we're using an online random word generator to tell us what to talk about. That's right. No preparation or thoughtful planning. Just the two of us thinking and talking on our feet about three random topics. We're all guaranteed to laugh, and maybe some nuggets of wisdom will surprise us, too. Or we could just talk about lumber and viruses. Whatever words the generator throws at us. That's right. That's probably what's going to happen. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Jen Estel. And I'm Karen Steffel. Managing creativity in business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. This one's called Raspberry Snake Bite, which is a great name. Mm-hmm. And it's a combo of a beer and a um, liqueur, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so it's the combination of this raspberry lambic beer. And what else? And cream de cassis, which is black currants. So it's got a raspberry flavor and a black currant flavor. And the uh, liqueur, the, the c- black currant, is really, really sweet. Yeah, so you'd, only, you'd want it to mix it with something. And in this case, it's this wonderful raspberry lambic beer. And then we top it with a little bit of mint. Mm-hmm, which makes a beautiful drink. So it's a beautiful color, of course. It's jeweled and pretty. And I really like it. It's got that bite from the beer that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to drink more than one, you could even add maybe some club soda. Yeah, it's a it's a fairly sweet drink. So for me, I want it on a lot of ice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think club soda would help that too. Yeah, it's delicious. Let's check it out. Okay, so because we are using the, the idea of a beer tail instead of a cocktail or a mocktail. So um, that's kind of a random word. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's okay. get a random word. What are we talking about? Okay, so we're actually we're actually switching to this random word generator. We will talk about whatever comes up. It's a noun. It's a noun. We're doing a noun first. Are you ready? Ooh, examination. Examination. Of course, I think of going to the doctor. Oh, really? Yeah, the first thing I thought about is going to the doctor. I thought of a test. Oh, Oh. Yeah. I guess both of those are tests. <laughs> tests. Tests of different... So my first instinct for that word was, oh, man. <laughs> and mine was too. <laughs> but we, I mean, we use an examination in our industries, right? Yeah. I think that's synonymous with a bit of research and uncovering, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you say uncovering, and I just think about being in the doctor's office with without that white under- sheet. <laughs> without underwear on. <laughs> ah. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. It's true. It's random. It is super random. But I do think that there's a lot of ways that, like, think of all the different ways that one examines things. I think of, like, you know, somebody with a microscope or, yeah, like a magnifying glass when you can see something at a much deeper level than you could on the surface, right? Yeah, and it's funny because the word examination to me is um, interesting in when I think about the day-to-day work life because it means to look at something carefully, right? Absolutely. So you're not just glancing, you're not coming up with a quick conclusion, you're really getting down down to the details, which is why that word makes sense with testing or with healthcare, because you're really looking for what's happening. What are your favorite things associated with examination professionally? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. Well, I would say the first, you know, our intake meetings with our clients are very much an examination. We're asking them all kinds of ridiculous questions, pertinent questions, questions that they feel might not relate to the project at hand, but it helps us get a wider picture. So in some ways, that client intake and discovery is quite the examination. How about you? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. It's getting not only getting to their why, but also getting underneath that. When I ask, like, if you wanted your 
audience to come away with a certain mood, what would that mood be? And then they would explain that. And then I'm like, if there's a musical instrument that demonstrates that mood, what do you say it is? Because we can always make these leaps of faith, but there's always like this, if there's a color associated with that mood, and to really dive underneath that, I think they think that we're kind of half off our rocker, but it's it's a real it's a real examination process. It is a real examination process. And and for us that culminates in the creative brief, which is, you know, the creative contract. We are going to make you this kind of thing. It's going to do this job. This is the target market. It needs to do X, Y, and Z. And I love that document. I more and more find myself referring to it all through the process and reminding the client of it. And um you can't do that without a thorough examination of what the problem is. Right? Absolutely. So, but I don't have a stethoscope. That's a bummer. Well, and it's funny because your first reaction to the word examination was not positive. And look how positive you are right now. That's true. But I did go to the eye doctor the other day, and then I had to walk out with my, you know, dilated and blind. So I was a little annoyed. But you also posted something on Twitter about what an amazing process it was because it was a well-oiled machine. That's true. And you examined that process. I did. I thought about the process the whole time. So examination is a good thing. I think so. Is that what we've decided? I think like a lot of things, if you're using those powers for good versus evil, it's a great thing. If you were describing examination to your kids, what would you tell them? I think I would use the idea of a magnifying glass where you can see something at much greater detail. I also have a photographer's loop from when I used to process my own um, negatives, and I would use a loop to look more closely at something. And so sometimes we use the loop on non-traditional and non-photographic things like, you know, the countertop or maybe a bug or grain on wood, you know, so we look at other things at finer levels. So my kids are used to looking through a loop, which is really fun. So that's that's, um, an examination of its own. If I said examination to my children who are teenagers, they would just get grumbly and think about the SAT. (laughs) Fair. So our kids are different right now. They are different ages right now. And <laughs> mine don't think, see the wonder in examination at this point in time. They just see the numbers at the end. Yeah. My kids will grumble soon. <laughs> All right. So that was, I don't know, that was a few minutes on the yeah. word examination. Now okay. we're going to do a verb. Okay. Ready? Random verb. Guard. Guard. Ooh. I guess I'm thinking about like either Monty Python or Game of Thrones. <laughs> But that's both very serious and very not serious. How do you like? How do you get that out of, out of Monty? Well, I suppose. Yeah. I think of um, <laughs> so for Monty Python, I think of the Holy Grail and the scene where the guy is on the top and he's like Jette la vache. <laughs> so he's mocking the people that are down below. It's one of my favorite scenes. See, now all I think of is the British guard that aren't supposed to move, even if you, you know. Wave your hands in front of their face. They're standing there very stoically. Ooh, yes, absolutely. Like yeah. Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Yes. So. Ooh. But what else? What do you have to guard when you're an entrepreneur or a creative? Well, we've talked about guarding your reputation before on this ep- or on this podcast, which is kind of interesting because you really do have to make sure you, you don't lose that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you have to guard. You have to guard your kind of financial process. You have to make sure that it's sound, but also that um, not only the process is sound, but that you're guarding um, the assets that you have so that you can keep your business open. You have to guard your own mental health and capacity and your own well-being, which we've talked about a lot. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Because when when your cup is not full, you can't help anyone else. That's right? right. And so I think the most important thing is sort of guarding your well-being so that you can do all the other things that you need to do. 
Yeah, like supporting your supporting your team. You have to guard your team from some outside influences so that when clients are pinging in their requests, you're making sure that you're guarding their time, protecting their time, making sure that their time's used wisely and deflecting the things at the appropriate times that are distractions. That's true. And sometimes you have to guard your clients from themselves when they're trying to make a bad decision or an ill-thought-out um, rush decision, for example. Absolutely. And you're guarding your client's reputation and you are guarding their business when you're doing your actual work. What do you think you could do a better job guarding in your life? <laughs> um, my mouth because I swear too much. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I swear a lot sometimes. Oh, it's bad news. Yeah. When I think about both you and I, I and I think about the word guard, I think of essential oils because we are both hooked. (laughs) Do you remember thieves oil and peppermint oil? (laughs) Karen and I had to go to a um, networking thing, and neither of us were feeling comfortable. And I had just thrown some thieves oil on, and she threw on some peppermint oil. And I thought, well, we're going to smell good when we get there, (laughs) I guess. And we're protected from this terrible networking event. I don't know. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) <laughs> Thieves oil. <laughs> so guard. So anyway, listeners, um, what do you have to guard in your in your daily basis? Um, never, never mind. <laughs> I just had a word association that's way too weird. Pass, you know that pass me, it along. You know the meme where the guy's like, guard your sisters, guard your wives. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. They're going to come in your windows. Oh, is, who is that guy? I forget his name. I don't remember that one. Okay, Jen, are you ready for the next word? I'm ready for the adjective. Oh this God. is my favorite, I'm sure. Is it going to be colorful or pretty or magnanimous? Let's find out. Okay. Nervous. Nervous. I remember being very nervous when we started the podcast. Oh, that's interesting. So nervous. I, I don't use the word nervous a lot. My, my 11-year-old uses, uses the word nervous. I use the word anxious more often. Do you? Mm-hmm. Well, Be- what is the difference between anxious and nervous? Anxious, anxiety to me is a clinical situation <laughs> where nervous is like mm, butterflies. Yeah, nervous is a uh, busyness. Maybe I should use the word nervous more often. <laughs> I, w- I would say that I felt nervous when we started the podcast mostly because you are so comfortable in this scenario. So you understand sound and how to speak on ca- or speak on camera, how to speak on the microphone. And I'm, I'm not nearly as good at that. And I don't have years of experience in it. So I was feeling very nervous that I was going to screw it up. And I have screwed it up considerably and often. Oh, as have I. Yeah. Thank goodness for Scott, our sound editor. That's right. I think that for me, yeah, so nervousness is really associated with that there's a risk present. See, I don't think it has to be. I think you could be excited and nervous. But what's? But why would you be both at the same time, and why is there a distinction? Why wouldn't you just say excited? So roller coasters, yes or no? Being nervous? It just yes or no for roller coasters. It depends on the roller coaster. I don't have a yes or a no. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, so is it like... When there is a yes, is it like both nervous and excited or just excited? Um, yeah, for me, it's like, eh, I guess I'll do a roller coaster now. Though just really not my thing, so it's a terrible example. Um, so you, your example of nervous nervousness was about something that you didn't have expertise around. Right. So other examples of what, what makes you nervous? Um, not knowing what's coming. Okay. Right? And I, I would suggest that as nervousness, but I can see how that would be anxious, right? I think it depends on the level. Maybe anxious is like level 11. I feel like anxious is before and nervous is right imminently before. So I feel like you could be anxious for a number of days about something that's happening or 
anxious could be an ongoing feeling, whereas nervous to me is sort of the cold feet or jittery mm-hmm. getting ready moment in time. Yeah, I think for me, nerves has to do with a lack of control. Sure. So right before a presentation, you don't get to control how people receive that presentation. Even with all of your preparation under that belt, you don't get to choose how it goes. That's true. And it's funny because when you ask me, and I'm sure you are the same way, if I'm confident that I do a great job at my job, absolutely. I know I'm good at it. I've done it for years and years. Our solutions are great. I'm still nervous before I present to a client. Mm -hmm. Because what if they don't like it? What if something goes wrong? So what about um, before a difficult conversation? I get nervous before a difficult conversation. True. Because I want to, not because I want to control the outcome, but because I want to protect the parties involved. I want to make sure that there's absolute clarity around the topic at hand. Yeah, I think that... um, Difficult conversations definitely can make one nervous or anxiety-ridden. Now I feel the need to go look up anxiety and nerves and figure out the difference, like, by definition, which is kind of interesting. I think I'll do that later. Mm -hmm. But difficult conversations or things that you know could hurt someone's feelings or could be quite awkward definitely bring on nerves. Mm -hmm. What about, let's see, I think of when I think of nerves, I think of a horse in the gate. (laughs) Getting ready for the freakness? I don't know. Like yeah. That feels like a nervous energy, right? Mm-hmm. I agree with you that I'm also going to look up the difference between nervousness and anxiety. And I do feel like because nerves and like your nervous system mm-hmm. is kind of at the root of nervous, I wonder if there's actually a distinction between something that's systemic versus something that is not. Interesting. But there's a physical manifestation of something. Right. Because to me, nervous does have a physical manifestation. Your heartbeat or you're getting jittery or something like that, which I I suppose can be attributed to being anxious. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually use that maybe on the inverse, that anxiety, I think, is much more systemic. Yeah. Or maybe anxiety presents itself in unexpected ways, where nerves is associated with something that's very clearly connected to something that you're anticipating. And sometimes anxiety is not connected, that you cannot connect it, that it's more maybe chemical. Yeah, and anxiety is sort of generalized, whereas nervousness can be attributed to a particular task or event or situation. Hmm. I think we're getting somewhere. I think we figured this one out. Nervous. I wonder if our clients are nervous before they see the new thing that we show them or if they're just excited. Um, yes, they're nervous. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Speaking from experience, absolutely. But the great news is that it always turns out pretty great. That is true. Okay. Because your examination was so thorough. Ah, yes. And you are guarding their reputation. So there's no need for them to be nervous. It's almost as if this was not random word generator, but it was amazing. <laughs> it was. That let's, was really fun. Let's just do one more. Okay. Real quick. Okay, do you want a, an adjective? Ah, sure. I'll just click the button. Ready? Yeah. <gasps> Psychological. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> That's a big one. You know, you t- you said something in our episode with Kelly Rossman McKinney because she had a psychology degree oh. and you were like, oh, man. I would love a psychology degree. I used to have a web developer who actually had a psychology degree and I just would love to be able to 
And I like listen to psychology podcasts all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so instructive and enlightening about human nature and um, how people think and what makes them tick and how we can help them. Oh, I would love it if I were to go back to school for sure. I had about a three-week period my freshman year in college where I thought maybe psychology would have been the better degree program for me to be in, but I never had an intention to practice at all. I just felt like underlying human nature. Plus, my sister-in-law had been studying sociology, and it was like so interesting, the difference between the two. And um, But I went away with it. I, I went away from it, and I stuck to my real passion, which was, you know, media arts. And, um, but the thing that I didn't know then that I know now is that some of the most famous film directors of all time have psychology degrees. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. To me, I would not want to practice because I don't actually like people that much, (laughs) but I would like the tools psychology could give you to understanding people. Yeah. And my purpose for not wanting to practice is because, um, I have a tendency to take on people's things and wear them pretty deeply. Does that make you nervous? I carry other people's stuff so deeply that sometimes I don't like to talk about it. Like I really feel at a very deep level how other people are feeling in certain moments. And it's really hard to carry it. And so I could never be a professional that. (laughs) Like I could never be the donkey with the bags for other people's shit. (laughs) I just really couldn't be. And that's okay. Yeah. But, so, I, But I've always been that way, like since I was a kid. And you are the third child. Yeah. Yeah, I think that my third child has that, um, has that trait. Kind of, I, I mean, it would be hard for me to say that I'm an empath, but like I feel it pretty deeply. And yeah. sometimes I need space from that, those things. And sometimes she cries when we're here in the booth, but I forgive her because sometimes I cry too. I cry because you cry. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> That's not true. I cry a lot. Okay, so we just had our um, bonus fourth word. This was kind of fun. It was really fun. It's interesting to figure out how we can relate a random word or idea back to our industries and our jobs. Absolutely. Well, I think that's actually quite related to our jobs. Our clients come to us with random problems to solve. That's true. And we have to think pretty quickly on and dig underneath and how they're related and connect those dots. Or this is the same as when you're in a client meeting and a client asks you a question that you haven't considered yet at all and you just have to make shit up right out right away yeah. on the fly. Or if you're playing fun fun party games like Taboo or like some of the, <laughs> some of the <laughs> other fun party games where you just have to blurt words out. Okay, so I have um, two requests for listeners. Number one, um, throw us a couple of words and we'll think about those and how those might interact with or how those might relate to upcoming episodes. Ooh, I love that idea. And the next one is, what is what's your good party game? Because that sounds like fun. Oh, so many good games. You, I think both of our offices are game players for sure. We for sure are. I was just talking about Boggle the other day when it oh, comes to I for- words. I forgot about Boggle. Yeah, you can play that by yourself. Yeah. I, I enjoy, with my kids, I like Bananagrams. Oh, yeah. Which is like Scrabble without a board. We ha- we had a big Bananagrams t- period in our lifetime, and then something happened, and I was finding little tiles everywhere in my house. So, goodbye, Bananagrams. <laughs> goodbye. Best of luck to you. Goodbye, Raspberry Snake Bite Drink. Oh, thank you, Beer Tail. <laughs> you I'm going to start using that random word all the time. I need a Beer Tail. Well, and it's funny. This is an interesting mix because you are a beer gal. And I'm like, eh, but I do like a beer cocktail quite a bit. I'm surprised by how much I enjoy this one particularly and a lot of others too. So we should do more of these on the 
on the podcast. Yeah, I think especially for summertime, like a birita is kind of fun. Not like the kind that comes out of a can, but one that you actually make. A Guinness mixed with like 50% Guinness, 50% lemonade. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I would almost call it a recovery drink. <laughs> Because that's ridiculous. And then, um, I mean, there's always like the beer with the tomato juice, half and half. Oh, I've never tried. Oh, that's that's like a southern hangover cure. Oh, good to know. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Easy Underground. Do you ever feel exhausted and overwhelmed? Not like, you know, the every day I should get a little bit more sleep, but like terminally or month after month. Yeah, that deep, deep tired that happens in your soul when you just did something and you have to get up and do it again and again and again, and you feel like you just have no end in sight. So we're going to really get underneath exhaustion and overwhelm and see if there's strategies or tactics around dealing with it. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.